Hey there, creatives. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am really excited to bring this next series um, to the show. It's going to be a special series dedicated to speaking with different uh, people, different therapists uh, involved in the Expressive Therapy Summit. If you've never heard of the Expressive Therapy Summit, it is an intermodal um, international conference uh, that really is dedicated to experiential learning and um, brings together all of the different disciplines in the world of therapy. There are social workers, there's art therapists, dance therapists, music therapists, play therapists, any kind of therapist really imaginable, and everybody sharing their experiential knowledge and hands-on learning um, activities. And it's a really wonderful event. And usually it's four days um, in the fall in New York City. And there is an LA component, which happens in the spring. Um, in this fall, I am interviewing probably, I would say eight to 10 people um, that are either directly involved in the summit or are going to be presenting on their uh, topic of um, expertise. And um, we'll be learning about their clinical practices um, and what they'll be teaching at the event. And so you'll get kind of a snapshot and hopefully in each conversation that we have, um, the, the key takeaways will relate to the work of creating something out of nothing, which is kind of the object of um, bringing your practice to life or creating that therapeutic tool, writing a book, whatever it is that as a therapist you're passionate about and want to bring to life. And that's really the focus of the Creative Psychotherapist podcast show. Um, in the first episode, I am interviewing Barry Cohen, who is the summit leader. And um, Barry's also an art therapist and a former art therapy educator. He also is the creator of the Diagnostic Drawing Series, which is uh, an art therapy assessment tool. Um, and in our conversation, we'll be talking about how the summit came to be. And you'll also hear a little bit about um, some of the roles that I've played um, over the years because I've been involved in the summit um, since the beginning. And it's something that I'm really passionate about and love. And I think part of being involved in the summit really allowed me to move in the direction that I'm in currently. I don't know if I would be here um, at this point without having participated in the summit and developing it and bringing it to life, sharing it with other people. I was very involved as the social media marketing person uh, for the event for many, many years until um, Laura Bader took over that a couple of years ago for me because I just got too busy with my practice. But I'm hoping that you're going to really enjoy the conversations uh, that we have. And um, so, yeah. So this is going to be the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. Let us know what you think. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater 
impact in their communities and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thank you for tuning in to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm incredibly excited to introduce my next guest, and I think you'll be excited to hear what she has to say as well. We're going to be talking all about digital art therapy today, which um, is an appropriate topic given our current circumstances. Most of us are working digitally these days, uh, and so I think you're going to find what she has to say really helpful to you too. So I'm excited to introduce Kendra Carlson. She has her master's degree in art therapy and she's a registered board certified art therapist at the Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. And she's also an adjunct professor at Springfield College of Art Therapy and Counseling. She her work includes lifespan populations with a focus on adolescence and experience in chronic physical and mental illness. She's developed and implements a grant-based digital art therapy program for behavioral health patients in crisis, as well as hospitalized adolescents and children with comorbidity diagnoses and trauma. She's the project leader and co-facilitator of the PRN International Multidisciplinary Mental Health Team for Jamaica Homestead West Indies, where she leads art therapy with the Homestead students and staff for mindfulness, affect identification, community building, self-expression, and coping strategies. Kendra supervises postgraduate students for art therapy registration and instructs courses, including art therapy and counseling in a digital world. She's presented at the UN Education, Learning, and Literacy Committee, Yale's Humanities and Medicine, Yale's Child Study Center, the Expressive Therapy Summit, Connecticut Art Therapy Association's Colloquium, and has served on its board of directors. She has an honor graduate of Masters of Arts in Art Therapy from Albertus Magnus College in New Haven, Connecticut. Welcome, Kendra. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This topic is so pertinent right now, so I'm, I'm really appreciate being invited. I'm so glad to have you, and I'm really excited for listeners to hear our conversation about digital art therapy. Absolutely. So there is, so the whole idea about this panel, um, where, it came, where it came from is um, I found myself here at the hospital, um, art therapist, I'm the only art therapist here at Yale New Haven Children's Hospital, um, and I've been here for, here specifically for eight years, um, almost 20 years in the, in the whole Yale New Haven healthcare system. Um, and COVID hit. And so after we did the thorough cleaning of everything that we've ever touched, um, we got ready for thinking that we were going to get furloughed because we heard a lot of other, you know, um, creative therapists that was happening to. So we're like, okay, so we're cleaning up. We're now making, um, videos so that we can be able to um, have things for our patients, assuming that we are going to have to not be able to work, right? We never yeah. left. <laughs> That's awesome. We never left. And one of the things when um, I reached out to Barry is I said, you know, as a art therapist, let alone as a digital art therapist, this became such a comfort, comfortable environment for me. I mean, obviously we have, you know, the scares of health, um, you know, concern for ourselves and our, and obviously families and our patients. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing was, is that this is what I do every day. I do digital art therapy. So it, I clean, right? It's the easiest, it's the easiest kind of art material to disinfect. Like, so why wouldn't we stay? Um, so it really made a lot of, it really made a lot of sense when I spoke with Barry, I said, you know, we've talked over and over and over about digital art therapy and it, the different ways in the different populations that I specifically use it with. And I said, this makes a lot of sense. Now is the year where we should really create, um, a day symposium and rally other creative modalities 
and talk about our problem solving, talk about what we've come up with, what have been our challenges, what have been the benefits, right? Yes. One of my benefits is that I've stayed here, right? And mm -hmm. with social work at the hospital, with social work and with psych going on, um, most of them going completely virtual only, and then the other staff being able to go on um, a rotating schedule, a lot of the patients that I specifically work with here, I'm their only treatment, their only yeah. treatment. So it That's really, huge. Yeah, absolutely. It made a lot of sense to say, hey, Barry, let's get a great team together and find out who else and uh, are doing some creative problem solving. This is in our toolkit. This is what mm -hmm. we, we, this is what we learn in school and we apply it every single day. We should right. talk about it. On top of the fact that what else are we going to then, you know, people use this word new normal. Um, I tend to stay away from it because it's not new normal. This is our reality. And um, even though we right. think some things are going to change and get better, and they will, um, we're never going back to what we were before. Oh, and no, absolutely. So yeah, and we've learned so much to be able to still help our patients. Um, what, you know, what else have we learned to be able to, that we're taking forward, even into in-person sessions? Hey, are you ready to gain clarity for your vision and draft actionable steps to achieve the outcomes you desire for your practice? We at the Creative Clinicians Corner are now offering professional consultation services that help creative therapists organize the ideas spinning in their minds into a strategic map to launch and scale their private practices so you can breathe with ease and confidence and take the action you need to achieve the practice of your dreams. Nothing is insurmountable, and knowing your path to success will only inspire you to push through all the roadblocks, and you don't have to do it alone. Visit us at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com and see the really affordable packages we have for you right now. So um, that was my thought when I talked to Barry, and I said, let's see if we can um, rally a good team of, you know, play therapist, music therapist, drama therapist, mm -hmm. um, and if we can pull the group together and then of course um you know on top of covid we had a lot of um uh racial i mean obviously we're here in new haven yes. so experienced it ourselves um I have racial injustice going on so we're like okay so now you are uh, you know us therapists are being thrown online we don't know how to use the equipment and now on top of it you know i mean i'm a perfect example you know I'm a blonde, I'm a blonde female, right? right. So, <laughs> I mean, we've all dealt with um, injustice, that's for sure. But now what do I do with the patients that I'm working with? And how do I tap into their cultural responses and then being aware of my own, my own biases, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's where our whole idea came up from. And I'm really excited whether we do it virtually or not, or in person, you know, quite frankly, to me, virtual is it because I think that we could be able to get a lot more people to be able to attend. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where all of us are figuring out how to navigate from over the past handful of months, even people who traditionally would have said, I never want to do online therapy. I only want to see people in person. You know, we're, we're forced to really um, be flexible mm -hmm. in order to continue to serve people. Um, what are some strategies that you've been developing um, in terms of like using uh, digital art making in the session, how are you figuring out how to do that with your clients? Because people have asked about that and I haven't come across anything. I've been collaborating with a few people who are developing an app, but I, but I don't have any tools really, except for like if I were using Zoom, the whiteboard, um, we've been making art in, you know, our own space and then showing it up into the camera. But it sounds like you're actually using the digital technology to create the artwork with the clients. And I would love for you to speak a little bit more about that aspect of your work. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, 
And I think just to sort of recap a little, um, not only would I like to speak about that, but I also want to circle back around to how specifically in COVID, mm -hmm. uh, how I ended up using digital art making even for myself dealing with um, some of the losses that, that happened, that transpired mm -hmm. here. So I think that yes. my experience can help not only professionals with ways that they can use digital art making, but also how dark digital art making for me um, was really self-care, professional self-care, absolutely. It's so interesting. I recently had to get a new phone because my phone crashed and I got one of the ones that has the stylus in it specifically yeah. so that I could do more of that myself. And I've been finding it very, um, almost like zentangly, if you will, at the mm -hmm. end of the evening, I'll sit down and just design nothing, you know, in particular, but there's something very uh, regulating about it. I've really enjoyed it. It's not a medium that I've spent a lot of time with, but figured, well, now's the opportunity. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's exactly the way we ended up looking at this really pretty quickly is this is an opportunity. We're not being furloughed. So let's dive into what we can come up with creatively. So in my experience, obviously I did, I did use the whiteboard um, off of Zoom and I did use some very um, typical directives that I have done um, in digital art therapy for years, including a body, including body scans. Oh, really? So, yes. So what we, um, so this, this sort of a, a little, to give you a little background, this sort of scenario that happened here is um, uh, we were initially not doing um, in-person one-on-one um, um, sessions. Um, mm -hmm. Or I should, or, or actually what I should say is no contact room sessions. Um, all of our groups ended, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, we were still doing one-on-one -on -one in patients' rooms. Obviously no one was coming to any um, communal spaces. So, sure. so I ended up, not only was I the, you know, uh, the first layer and the only layer in some cases of treatment with patients who were here, not only dealing with a medical issue, but I deal a lot with behavioral health. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a cancer patient struggling with depression and isolation um, due to COVID as well as treatment and they were here, sure. or whether or not it was a behavioral health patient, right, who came up through the PED, um, who had um, SI and anxiety and an attempt in self-harm and then tested positive. I'm giving you some actual case yeah. studies. Um, actually tested positive for COVID and found themselves in an isolating room. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously what's the first piece of our material I can get into a COVID, into a COVID patient? Yeah. You know, iPad. <laughs> you know, clean, infected in a biohazard bag, off it went with the wonderful support of the nurses and medical staff. So, you know, I would be down the hall and we would be doing a session. So a lot of times I did start off with um, the Zoom whiteboard because we're already on Zoom mm -hmm. um, and using a feelings body scan and literally com coming up with a color key and um, you, drawing and going back and forth and just literally supporting the patient and um, walking them through the directive, which obviously is a little bit different because the whiteboard is very white. Yes. <laughs> it can be very stark, um, which is one of the reasons why I ended up using a lot of our iPad minis because the this, the screen is just that small and it works. Ah. Yeah. So it's not this big, huge, glaring white screen. Um, but then it was really amazing some of the conversation that ended up happening because what are you using? Color, line, right? Color, mm -hmm. line, form, texture to explain your feelings, which is very easy on the um, on Zoom whiteboard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would just draw sort of a, you know, a very generic um, body template. 
And mm -hmm. sometimes I would start one and, you know, we'd always laugh through it because it, you know, you, you have these gingerbread people coming out of it. And so we talk about perfection and how we need to sort of put that aside, especially now. And what do we try to be perfect at when we really need to focus on our feelings and being able to express those. I also um, use this wonderful app, which is on phones. Um, it's called the Mood Meter. The Mood Meter. The Mood Meter. And the Mood Meter is designed by um, Yale New Haven Center of Emotional Intelligence, Mark Brackett. Wow. And they're amazing. And it literally is a um, mood meter that's broken up into four quadrants. Mm -hmm. So red is um, high energy, unpleasant feelings. So typically the mad range, right? Mm -hmm. Green is typically your calm range. So it's, um, it's low energy. Um, positive feelings and then we have yellow and blue so blue is low energy negative feelings yellow is higher in energy high, um positive feelings and there's 25 words in each of the quadrants mm -hmm. so as i say to my patients that's 100 words to talk about how we feel and usually i get that kind of look <laughs> you know this just desperate look like i don't I don't even talk about my feelings when we use 25 words. I'm like, I know that's why we have the mood meter. So we literally use the mood meter to do a pre and post. How are you feeling now? Mm -hmm. And then be able to do digital art therapy. And then they go back on again. And it walks you through being able to um, identify your affect state. And how can we regulate our affect state, let alone in the hospital, let alone during COVID crisis, let alone with behavioral health needs, right? Yeah. How, how do we do that until we can able to identify how we're feeling first? So I do all this digitally, which, you know, is- it, Wonderful. It, it, it's, yes, it is just, and I've been doing digital art therapy now. I started doing digital art therapy before it was a thing. And now it's just, um, I do it every day and I work with as many patients as possible. And, and even with the COVID crisis, you know, reducing mm -hmm. in regards to the number of patients we have here, um, it's obviously, you know, way low, which is great. Yeah. On yeah, we're really happy in Connecticut, that's for sure. Um, but it definitely works as a um, very strong, you know, therapeutic art medium. So we use the, so we use the mood meter. We do a pre and post. Um, I've used Zoom um, to do a body scan. I've used Zoom to do a bridge drawing. Once again, very simple. Um, some patients struggle with it because it, you don't have control. And I just use those moments as mm -hmm. teaching moments and apply them to our, our lives, you know? Yeah, there is much less. It's weird. It's a different type of control. and. Um, execution there but there's also that wonderful like back button or the eraser so there's a lot of ways to modify right absolutely and it's funny that you mentioned that because the undo button is not only in zoom but it's also in some of the uh, other apps that I work on and I say it all the time I'm like okay so I let people try to come up with some creative solutions but then I say you know there's an undo button and they'll go to touch it and I'll say okay before you touch it tell me in your life what you would undo oh that's such a great question Mm -hmm. And then you get some wonderful processing of anything from a specific example of why they may be in the hospital or why they may, or why they may be a good referral for me. I'm visiting them or all the way to, you know, I wouldn't undo anything I've done because it's made me who I am now. Maybe I wouldn't have taken all those pills and ended up here because this is unpleasant, but everything else I wouldn't undo. So it's, once again, it's another um, therapeutic moment. You know, those aha moments um, in digital art therapy, especially now, come pretty free. I have seen that it's, it, it is, it's been more of an increase. Mm -hmm. wow. um, uh, just being, people being able to reflect. And I work with children as young as five, um, all the way to young adults. So all the way up to 26 here at the okay. hospital. 
it's a wide range. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. And um, so also during COVID, one of our units that I worked on, the staff did get um, reallocated to adult COVID unit Mm. on two, uh, two units. And so I went over there to help and provide some staff support um, as well as being able to be able to have some sort of element that could be with a patient when they were expiring um, because obviously families were not here. Yeah. Yes. I think that that is like one of the um, heartbreaking things that keeps coming up of um, people losing grandparents. I'm here in Florida. And so of course, you know, we have a large senior population and, um, and it's so hard to say like, well, I, they couldn't visit their loved one. They couldn't be there in those final moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is a really hard thing. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, and I know we're jumping around a little bit, but that was actually one of the things I did was painted these watercolor hearts um, that we then could laminate so they could go in because we brainstormed to try to figure out what we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we beautiful watercolor hearts. Um, I stayed up, I don't know how many hours, just heart after heart after heart. Just a little talking about your your own heart skipping a beat when I'm like, okay, how many do you need? And they're like, well, we need 35 in a couple hours. And I'm like, that many? I'm like, wow. 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 So, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was definitely, it was definitely very intense there for quite a while. But I created these hearts, which of course were also really wonderful for me to do. We laminated them. And so then when a patient was expiring, the heart would go in um, and be placed in the patient's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then what we were doing is the nurse, um, because obviously we limit how many people go into the, the room. Of course. Yeah, right? So the nurse would go in and take a photograph on, um, on an iPad. And then um, when they're, um, when the patient's family were to receive um, their loved one's belongings, the heart would be disinfected. So the actual heart would go to the family and included in that would also be um, a photograph. So, you know, unfortunately, some of these photographs were not looking the best. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I did is they, um, I got the photographs and I spent, and this ended up being my self-care, um, I spent that time period um, making those hands that held my watercolor heart for them mm-hmm. um, into an image that was more heavenly. Mm, that is amazing. What a gift. And I'm sure that the families that received that were touched their heart. Mm-hmm. Very special. Yeah. It was very special, and um, and that's why I also bring that up because digital art ended up being very much a self care um, use of my skills for these families. So that yeah. ended up working out really well. Um, and once again, it's the computer, it's the laptop, it's the iPad, it's digital art. It, it was just it's so perfect for what happened to all of us dealing with this COVID crisis. You know, it, it was the answer. It was literally our answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when we go back to the children um, patients that I was working with, um, so obviously bridge drawing and um, feelings body scan, um, we worked in. I also did a lot of mandalas. Mm. And um, I try to do a lot of mandalas. Typically, I would work with a patient two or three times, especially the COVID patients. Mm-hmm. I tried to see them as frequently as I could. Um, sure. Yeah, right. That makes total sense. To, and, and obviously, to start with something that was feelings and then working on a bridge drawing and then trying to help our patients, you know, um, feel 
centered and contained their emotions and their experience can help contain them and um, be able to teach them some mindfulness skills before they were discharged, depending where they were heading off to. Like I said, I do work with patients that have a lot of behavioral health components. So some of that may have been into an inpatient facility, Mm -hmm. which once again, during COVID added some more elements of, oh my gosh, I'm going from one hospital to another facility. So how do we help with that? I also continue to do family um, work too, because on top of everything else that was happening, we, we also had you know, we also had patients coming to the end of their treatment. We also had, unfortunately, we had um, grief and loss and legacy work that still needed to be done. Yeah. And all, I could do all that virtually. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So you ask, yeah, you ask about what I use. Um, I use a website um, that I've used from the get-go, and it's called Pick Monkey. Okay. And it's P-I-C-M-O-N-K-E-Y. They have two different platforms on it right now. They have the first version that I literally started with a bazillion years ago. And now they have a beta version. And I literally call which one I'm going to go on depending on how I see the skill set of the patients that I'm working with. Um, and, and maybe also any developmental delays or any other disabilities. Sometimes the other one is simpler. The beta version can be more complicated, but yeah. both of them provide really amazing art pieces that are just as sophisticated as Photoshop. But two things. One, I'm teaching them a coping scale. They can use PicMonkey anytime they want. Photoshop No. (laughs) (laughs) And when you think about it, especially with our census increasing and increasing, um, especially in behavioral health, and especially now, I can't teach Photoshop for two hours to a patient. I need to be able to get in, do a session, process their feelings, Mm -hmm. do the mood meter um, pre and post, you know, so that we can collect that data also and then and move to the next patient who, um, who needs some digital art therapy. So Photoshop does not work for any of that. <laughs> no, I, I feel overwhelmed trying to use it myself and I have used it before, but it, it's, it's like, it becomes too much, right? It's just too many choices, too many techniques and tools to have something that's a little more streamlined and cleaned up and and intuitive and easy to use makes a lot more sense and that's exactly what PicMonkey has been at least for me i know a lot of other digital art therapists were you know use procreate and there's a lot of other um apps and websites out there um i because of the population i work with um I want them to be able to work right on a laptop. Um, So I don't use a stylus. It's literally, you know, nowadays, just like even pre-COVID, you know, you have a preteen or a teen who's dealing with self-harm, SI, um, low self-esteem. The last thing you want to do is present elements of self-expression, which is so desperately needed. That's frustrating. But a computer, mm-hmm. a computer, wait, that's a safe zone for multiple, multiple patients. Um, even, even in regards to social media. I mean, I have some patients that by the time I walk out of the room, they've already posted their self-expression safely um, to either their friends or family or on social media to express their healing journey. This mm-hmm. is where I am. This is what I'm dealing with. This is how I'm feeling. Um, and it, so it becomes an educational tool as well as getting that support that our patients really need. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, most teenagers, especially like the one thing that they don't want to go without is their technology. Right. And it makes sense that we're thinking about meeting them where they're at, that we're integrating those tools uh, to do so. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it is definitely... Um, a um, struggle here, as with uh, most facilities with behavioral health patients, um, you know, 
when they come in, especially if they come in through the emergency department, the pediatric emergency department, which is a unit I also work on, um, their, you know, their phones, everything is taken away from them. Yeah. And then people come in and say, so tell me how you're feeling. <laughs> and that's when I get the referral. Kendra, could you please come down here? We need to understand how this patient is feeling. Now, patients typically don't have a problem with explaining their circumstance and what happened that brought them, you know, the um, incident that brought them to the hospital. Very different, completely different level, a lot of different nuances to, well, this is actually how I'm feeling versus mm -hmm. this is why I'm here. Oh, yeah. And that works with not only patients through the PED, but like I said, also um, hemonc oncology patients that I work with um, and, you know, patients. And I also, because I had work with a, a behavioral health component, I do work with a lot of eating disorder patients. Mm. Um, and we have seen an increase of SI, um, eating disorders, um, a lot sure. of other behavioral health aspects. So... Kendra, if, if there were therapists out there that wanted to integrate the digital art making technology, but that was not their area of expertise, it's not something that they've done before, what, where do you think they should start? So I, I literally even found out about digital art therapy, and this is really interesting and not necessarily meaning to be a plug, <laughs> but... I literally attended a session at Expressive Therapy Summit, <laughs> like I said, quite a long time ago, and um, it was a it was really amazing. Um, and I turned it in and made it my own, so I was very intrigued by it and how this could help the popula our population that I worked with. Um, and so then I just did, started doing some investigation. Um, and then I read more and I attended as much as I could. And then I, quite frankly, started playing. Mm -hmm. I literally Googled and, and I mean, Gretchen Miller has some amazing, um, amazing work that she does. And I've attended her seminars and there's a lot of actual digital art therapy happening. Um, here at our teen center, I've also started doing um, virtual reality art therapy. Ooh, tell us about what that is. Yeah, which has been really interesting. Unfortunately, because the teen center is closed, which is why I'm in it right now. Um, but when it reopens, we'll be doing it again. But it's been really great. We have been taking patients' heartbeats. So we do a heartbeat recording. And then we have it uploaded into virtual reality and they literally create art with music, sound, once again, line, shape, and form, right? As, and they create a self-portrait. They create their healing journey. What does your healing journey look like? Um, and so it's really been a wonderful technique. And I learn as much from my patients as they're learning from me during some of these sessions, that's for sure. Um, so it's a great avenue to sort of take digital art and make it all encompassing and 3D because mm -hmm. you're literally in a, a different world. Um, mm -hmm. And then to play it back, and we also do it in groups. So there could be one person who's doing the self-expression um, and we could have a room full of a variety of diagnoses. Um, typically, I do this only with my teen group, not younger, um, and typically older teens, but not always. Um, and then we also can have this wonderful collaboration that happens if a teen is working on something and gets stuck and not quite sure what to do next, then we bring it to the group. Someone's looking for some support. Um, then what does that look like and feel like, and how does that help not only us being the witnesses, right? We're witnessing the, the art making, but also the person who is getting provided with the support as they create their healing journey. Um, and so the work has been really incredible, like just on a completely different level than just digital, but yet at the same time, a real natural progression. Mm-hmm. So how do you learn about digital art therapy? Dive in. Yeah, I dive in. Um, I'm also really lucky that 
uh, let's see, about two years ago, I wrote a digital art therapy um, class for Springfield College, which I'm also an adjunct at. And we looked at digital art therapy in regards to just our digital world. So how do we apply how do we apply digital art therapy to our world as art therapists? Um, but also how do we apply digital to our work as therapists? So we talked about ethics as, you know, e ethics as well as the components to making up a successful digital art piece. And at the same time, for not only for self-care, but how do we work with patients and how yeah. can we um, So it's really this, this first class that I attended, right, at Expressive Therapy Summit just launched, launched you. I still do, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's really incredible. Like I I probably attended, I think, some of the the best um, trainings that I've experienced too from being at the summit and um, and just got exposed to things that I never would have thought of before. Like I took a in the first year, I took an all-day seminar from uh, somebody who was doing using green screen technology, and um, and making videos, and it was really amazing. Um, like the work that he was doing was with his clients. Yes, yes, John. I was there. You were there too. I was there. We were in the same class together. How funny yes. is that? I yes, I never would have known. Yeah, and if you look, me neither. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I know. Are you still recording this? <laughs> this is yes. Like but if you look at um, John's video that was made in that class, mm -hmm. right? It was my photograph that we uploaded and then we played with the sort of the discs that were in the water. That was my photograph. Yeah, oh my John's goodness. awesome. He's another one. Of, oh, yeah, yes. he's another one. Of, my colleagues and mentors at the same time, right? Erlinger, I yeah. think is his last name. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah that, that was a class. I, I just, it stuck with me. I never forgot it. And um, it, it just, it made me uh, think about the work that we do with clients in a much different way and, and much more open to doing things that are a little more complex. Yes, absolutely. And I think, one of the interesting things that I find in digital art therapy as well as virtual, as well as green screen, um, is that people always sort of hesitate um, when they're like, oh, you do digital art therapy? How, you know, you get the little nose wrinkle. Oh, I yeah, like, how is that? Because, you know, the thought is this is not tactile. You know, this is not the, the whole, you know, the, the, emotional process from your arm with a paintbrush. And I find it exactly just the opposite. I find it, or I should say I've even witnessed it, that it's safer, especially for, for the patients that I have. Mm -hmm. It's safer for them. Um, it's still an extension. It's a comfortable environment. They express more. You know, and to be able to do it digitally and have all those senses. So people look at the laptop and, oh, it's not tactile. I'm like, no, it's sensory. It's everything. Sure it is. You're, if, especially if you're, you're using your finger to make all of the lines and enhance mm -hmm. everything. So there still is that piece. Right. Um, but it's the it's it's our limiting beliefs that we create. It's our, our constructs about how we view a certain experience. And um, I think people had a similar uh, construct around doing telehealth in this fashion where we're, exactly. you know, video to video. But as we're learning here and, and doing it, I'm I'm hoping that it's shifted some people's minds about how beneficial it can be. And Absolutely. I know in talking with a number of therapists, um, some of them are finding that their practices are expanding because mm -hmm. now they're able to reach clients that typically wouldn't have been able to come in for services because they were too mm -hmm. far away. And now they have access to treatment that they didn't have access to before, which is, mm -hmm. you know, awesome, I think. 
And I feel that way when it comes to the digital art therapy that I'm doing here. Um, specifically in regards to, I do a lot of directives that are CBD and, um, um, and DBT based, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but yet my patients look at this as their art making. They don't even realize that it's therapy, quote unquote. Um, and, I, and I've had the wonderful honor of having patients who have left here and then come back um, or send back their images you know, through the channels in the hospital, like, I'm still doing this. Look at this, Kendra. Look at the piece I just did. You know, oh, by the oh, way, wow. I how to do this and this. You may want to incorporate this. Have, what about you? What are you doing? I mean, it's really creating this wonderful community. And the other thing um, that's also really fabulous about digital art is we blow them up onto canvases and we exhibit them here. So you have that whole next level, right? Because they're it's the worker JPEGs, right? So you have that whole next level of exhibit, um, and you know, and obviously increasing our self-esteem, increasing self-awareness, right? Let alone self-expression. And we do the exhibits with the piece of digital art of their healing journey, with also including our pre's and posts, so that here specifically in our hospital we have residents medical staff you know nurses the whole lot of people even you know obviously of course all the way up through our senior management coming and seeing these pieces of work and being able to see what self-expression mm -hmm. happens to be digital right that's the yeah. modality but it's self-expression how the self-expression literally helps and aids in the healing process of our patients here at the hospital that's wonderful. So um, it's expanding the reach of the services that you do, educating all of the people within the hospital about um, how important the work is, and hopefully also changing their minds about <laughs> um, what it is that you're doing with the patients. Yeah, That's really yeah. great. Absolutely. And with that mood meter, with the statistical data, you know, literally patients saying, you know, I felt like this. That's why I, that's why my action, right? Connect, connecting thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Mm -hmm. It's literally happening when you use that mood meter and then do your digital art and then you do a post again. So it's really wonderful to sort of see that moment happen with our patients when they realize that they there are things that they can actually control in their life and inside themselves. Mm -hmm. Now I know when you when you talked about it originally, you said it was created by um, folks at Yale New Haven, and that's of course the hospital system that you're within. Is the Mood Meter app available for other people on like Google Play or um, Apple? Uh, downloads yep you can actually get it on your app store so yes it's it's done by mark brackett um who does um center of emotional intelligence okay because i'm going to put that in the resources portion Absolutely. of the show notes so that if people want to grab the mood meter to use themselves that they can do that i'm going to do that for sure Oh, it's so wonderful. Um, on top of it, he's also just released a really great book um, about feelings. Mm. Oh, I'm like, I, I noticed I just went for my phone to go and look and then I realized that I'm on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I can, oh, oh my gosh, it came right up, ready? Yeah. It's called Permission to Feel. Oh, that's a great title. It is, and it's Mark Brackett. Um, and the um, subtitle is The Power of Emotional Intelligence to Achieve Well-Being and Success. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I'll definitely find a link for that too and put that in the show notes as well. That would be fabulous. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I, there's so many of my patients that leave here and, um, and I introduce it to the, to the families, to the parents. Sure. Here. They download it right away. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is a really awesome tool um, to share with families for sure. I know in 
in my practice, we talk a lot about the zones of regulation, which sounded very similar to the app. Um, and so thinking about that, you know, how fast is your engine going piece too of like the speed and, and energy level as well. And I was like, oh, this sounds really familiar, but now yeah. I can access it and I can, it's much easier to share that than it is to say, okay, you have to go over here and, you know, you need to buy this product or whatever. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And I find that that book has been also really helpful during this during this time to be able to tap into us as professionals to be able to tap into, okay, exactly. How am I feeling? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot, I'll never forget the first week of the COVID crisis here. Every single patient that I had sessions were with was mixed feelings, mixed feelings, mixed feelings. Like, of course it's mixed feelings. Yeah. It's confusing. So let's process this. Let's mute, let's use this mood meter to, to define what these feelings are that are creating, you know, our internal chaos that was reflecting our external one. How and how do we regulate what we don't we what we don't know or can't identify? So mm -hmm. I always start there. My one of my favorite questions always is what color are you feeling? Mm. So it was very natural when I saw this, um, when I saw this app, and actually, once again. <laughs> I was at a lecture, one of Mark's lectures, and I literally went up and introduced myself to him. And I said, I'm the art therapist who's bastardizing your app. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> use it a little bit differently than the way he obviously was originally created, but the result's the same. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any other creative uh, approaches to using digital or virtual um, art making that you would you think would be beneficial to folks that are starting to go into this area and hopefully more people are they're looking for it. Absolutely. Well, um, for me, there's sort of two things. Um, if you are interested in it, then there's a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're not, if, if it feels awkward or it's not your thing, it doesn't have to be your thing. Just because we're in 2020, it does not have to be your thing. I have seen people try to reinvent themselves in digital and, but their heart's not in it. You know, there's so many different scenarios. So this is just like somebody who may like watercolor versus oils, right? Mm -hmm. They'd be like sculpture versus um, one-dimensional type of work. So, you know, if it doesn't feel right for you, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but once again, it's not a bad idea to just explore it for, especially if you're working with teens, to, you know, to help teens express themselves mm -hmm. and that to put them into an environment which they already know to build that rapport and ease, you know, and create that wonderful um, sense of comfort which is exactly what our teens are looking for when they're struggling, especially now. And they're home. Yeah. They're home with their families every day. And so that's obviously, you know, an issue that we're dealing with here at the hospital and, and, and what, what that can look and feel like and the trauma and the re-traumatizations that are also happening. Um, so it's a comfort zone. So it's, it's, it's an easy start in regards to, um, get online, you know, take, come to the summit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Take your class on, on this topic, mm -hmm. um, which I did write down so that I could remember it because it's a long one, but it's good. It's a long one. Yeah. Creative teletherapy strategies and virtual interventions for coping with COVID and racial injustice. Exactly. And we have a wonderful team and I think you're going to be speaking to a couple other people. I know you're speaking to April. Yes. Right? April yep. Yep. So she's, she's on our panel. Um, and we have an amazing, amazing group. Um, if you want me to, I can provide you with the other names. I so would, I would love that. I would love that if you have time, if not, I can always, um, ask Barry for the information too. I'm sure he would be willing to share that with me. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I happen to have it so I can easily, and, and I also have sort of our write-up so I can easily send it right over to you. 
Oh, that would be great. And then I can, I can add that into the show notes too, because we're going to edit this this week and it's going to go out right away, which cool. normally we have some lag time, but <laughs> not with this series. <laughs> yes. And, and I'll tell you, that's part of the other thing that I'm finding during this is there's no lag time. You know, when the crisis hit, there's been no lag time as far as literally um, us creative arts therapists really having to kick it up and be able to be here to not only help, you know, our patients and our clients, um, but also staff. I did a lot of self-care work, um, specifically digital mandalas. A digital mandala could take four minutes. Mm -hmm. Someone can come in and I can literally help them navigate and then they can go see another patient and they walk out of the room. You literally can see the body just go, oh. mm -hmm. and we need that, oh, mm -hmm. that, that mindfulness moment. Yeah. So we, we, turned them into, we turned them into mandala Mondays for our staff, for the child life department of which I work out of here at the hospital. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I love that you're integrating that into the work. And that's what's also so neat about digital art therapy is that it just spreads. You can use it with all populations. I have not found any population that I've not been able to use it with, you know, all the way yeah. through. Child as young as four, all the way up through to um, geriatrics. Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful. The accessibility uh, of the tools, everybody can do it. Yes. You don't even have to hold, be able to hold a pencil. Exactly. You'd be amazed. I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Disabilities. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I am incredibly grateful for your time today, Kendra. Thank you so much for talking about this really important and exciting topic. And I look forward to uh, learning more from you at the summit in November. So Wow, I really hope that you all enjoyed this conversation that I had with Kendra Carlson today. I know I learned a lot and I'm really excited about some of the applications and technology that she introduced on the show today. Um, I went out immediately and checked the Mood Meter app. It's 99 cents. I think that's well within everybody's budget um, and it could be used in person or uh, in the telehealth sessions. And, um, and I love the idea of using some of these other art making applications where if you are on a telehealth session, your client can have their own account and they can simply be sharing their screen as they're creating um, their digital art. Um, and some of the, the programs like PicMonkey, for example, they could even be utilizing uh, their own photography and creating their own photo montages from images of their life, um, which if you think about it, could have um, excellent and various therapeutic applications. Some of the other things that I learned from Kendra in our conversation today um, was it doesn't have to be complicated in um, in terms of how we use the technology to facilitate telehealth sessions. There are lots of simple applications that can enhance the work that we're doing with our clients and in some cases may even better serve them depending upon the situation that they're in. I loved this idea of being able to um, easily sanitize the devices uh, versus having to sanitize an arsenal of art materials um, after using them with someone. So 
anyway, I, I hope you found it as inspiring as I did. And you check out some of the technology applications that she mentioned. And they're definitely going to be in the show notes. And I really look forward to her panel presentation on creative teletherapy strategies and virtual interventions for coping with COVID and racial injustice, which will be at the 2020 Expressive Therapy Summit. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Voices from the Summit series. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.